I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Guess what? What? I lost my muff. Yeah, you did to the mic. Well, technically, <laughs> we loaned it to our old mics, and and uh, forgot now that. you have one of my socks on. <laughs> yeah, it's so professional. I have to out myself, y'all. Um, so we have these muffs on our mics, and uh, I, mine was not, uh, did not have it. And so April grabbed a sock, and then she's also like, "I don't know if that's a clean sock." <laughs> so I have my mouth really close to April's dirty sock. I've been known to double wear or triple wear socks before. I don't feel like it stinks. I smelled it. Mm. No. It smells like uh, laundry detergent. It smells really good, actually. It smells dirty. I look stupid. (laughs) No, you look really precious. I'm rocking it. I hope that it sounds okay. If it doesn't sound that great, I'm really sorry, but it's a dirty sock. So what can I do? Uh, We are going to actually have a real studio though. I know Soon. we're at we're furnishing it we're actually doing it we're, we're gonna not have to lug around equipment back and forth and have all of these technical audio issues and we're both such audio sensitive people to when we listen to our show we are and well you all are because well you're listening to us and so stay tuned we're up in our game and there will be all kinds of fun Instagram videos from our studio coming January Ooh, it's true 2022 is our year for sure Go follow us on Instagram, Shameless Sex Podcast. Shameless Sex Podcast. Mm-hmm. And this episode is really exciting. I, um, It's about relationships and marriage, and I've been going through it. Yes, you have. Not marriage. Not marriage, but I've been going through my on-again, off-again partnership that was mostly on, uh, which we were working on ourselves, yet staying together in exclusivity through the work. I had moved out and separated about a year ago. And within that, uh, yeah, uh, I learned some hardship news last Sunday. We're recording this on Friday. So it was on Sunday um, after we had recommitted to realign to to figure out moving back in together and and reestablishing our solid partnership um, and not doing it alone anymore, but really going together. And mind you, I have not been out of integrity in the relationship. I've lived up to my promise to him Mm -hmm. that I made. Um, I found out that he was cheating on me, having an affair basically Mm -hmm. the whole time, gaslighting the fuck out of me. Which, if you don't know what gaslighting is, look it up. It means uh, I had intuition and I had called him out on some things. And he um, would tell me that I was crazy. And I thought maybe I was. And I loved him very much and was um, aware of maybe sometimes him being out of integrity and and, and sometimes catching him. But he was having an affair with one of my friends, Mm -hmm. who obviously isn't a friend. And... She um, decided to come out with it on Sunday and she came over while I was at my old house, which is now just his house, and walked in and proceeded to tell me all of the gory details. And I have been a fucking big giant mess since then. And I haven't really been public about my relationship with him because we've been working it out or trying to work it out. And I didn't feel 
confident enough to talk about it because uh, I wanted to give the relationship privacy and just space to develop however it was. And I've been with him for four and a half years up until this point. And the last year we were, I would say on again, off again, but as you know, from being my best friend and with me all the time, we were maybe a week where we were off. Mm -hmm. It was never, I've been having sex with him the whole time. Um, we've been sharing intimate details and yeah, he was, um, having an affair with her and basically a side relationship and talking about our relationship with her. And she's someone that, yeah, is in the community that I'm really, really hurt by as well. And really hurt by him. He lied to me for many years. So I, the reason I'm saying this and exposing this is number one, the hurt. I'm a very intelligent woman and I've, uh, I've intelligence and, and your, your inner strength and your intuition sometimes has nothing to do with the decisions you make and the people that you choose to stay with. And yeah, that really fucking blindsided. Well, I think, well, I thank you for sharing. Oh, you have tears in yeah, your eyes. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So anyone out there that's yeah. ever been the the other side of this that's uh, been hurt in, in partnership, you know, love, like I, I want to continue to love deeply mm. and wholly, but it is really hard. Well, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that so uh, openly. And I think um, our listeners here can, a lot of them can probably relate in some way, shape or form. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's hard to share that. And I think when you're speaking to this intelligence piece, I heard you say when you were going through this, you're like, how could I have not known, you know, or uh, deep down I knew, but how could I have not listened to that? And it's that you're like, you're saying that's not an intelligence thing. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, and, and you were, you know, people go through this like, it must be me. Like I must, I must be dumb or naive or something, but no, it's it, exactly how I felt. But you're, I was but like, you're I'm trusting. so dumb. I knew this. I knew, and I was trusting. Yes. Yeah. And that's a beautiful quality to have. It's unfortunate when people take advantage of that part of you that really wonderful loving trusting open person i the disappointment in this episode is not going to be about this i just wanted to share with everyone because it's something that i'm i'm really exposed with right now and it's it's You're been in it excuse me it's been really hard for me the last few days and it's raw and it's real and i can't sit here and and play and put on a facade to our listeners mm -hmm. because i am hurting and uh i will get through this and uh, this work that we're doing, Shameless Sex, and all of you out there listening, it's one of the most important things that I've ever done. And I'm so committed and willing. And I'm also living the shit that we are all living collectively mm -hmm. together. So whether oh, girl, you're... girl, I've been there. Yeah, I know, yeah. Whether you're in love and it's beautiful or you're single and you're struggling or you're single and you're not struggling or you're uh, whatever your relationship status is, I'm just saying I'm with you. And and um, li live in integrity, people. That's the one thing I think if you can do solidly and work in life with friends, you will prosper. And that's the message that I'm taking away from this. And I'm pretty fucking squeaky clean in terms of what I contributed on my end with exclusivity. And I'm not perfect. I did some fucked up things w in terms of reactivity and, and not being proactive in the relationship. And some of my ugliness came out. However, I also... Uh, I can't, I can't ever go back with, with someone that just lies again and again, even as a friend, mm -hmm. that would be really hard. I'm not saying that it's not possible 
to forgive people because I think that you can, but you need to go through the stages, which I'm not going to say I need to go through the stages, not you out there. If you don't want to, you can hold on to your anger if you're experiencing anything like this, but I'm in the acceptance phase now. Amy, <laughs> Amy had to like really talk me off a ledge. I was like, I'm so bad. I want to do some bad things, but <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't have, by sure, the way, we're taking the higher road. Yeah. In this one, the uh, higher like, road. You're right. But I'm so mad. <laughs> I want to burn down the, you know, I would never do that by the way. And well, it's uh, good to feel the rage and the yes. anger, but it doesn't mean we have to act on it in all the ways that our rage and anger inspires us to. And I know that you weren't going to actually do the things, but you were like, you were feeling it and it needs to be felt though, because otherwise it's repressed. Like, you know, I went through something very similar that you're going through multiple rounds with the next partner. And I didn't feel my anger for two years and uh, two years later after breaking up, then I finally felt the rage. And so, I mean, I'm glad you're feeling it now. I'm so glad that you're experiencing all the things that you need to experience. My rage has started to turn to acceptance. I was really sad first and then I was really angry. And now only a few days later, it's turning into acceptance and I am a forgiving, loving person and I don't, I don't like to walk around with anger. I don't wear anger. Well, Mm -hmm. it's not even, I had my astrology done and, and there's no, like, I'm not an angry person. It's, it's written in my cosmos. Mm. If you, if you tuned out now, I'm sorry, but it's true. I did. I like astrology. I needed some support and I will say thank you to my friends. Thank you to Amy. Thank you to all my friends. I've been supporting me through this and fuck. Yeah, I will get through this. And I just, again, want to give my gratitude for everyone listening right now and, and holding space for me. And when I'm sharing this, because, uh, I need you too, even though I can't see your face. Well, I appreciate it. The podcast and the listeners are, and the emails you all send us and the things that are happening over here in shameless sex headquarters are a big part of, of what keeps us going over here. Even when things are hard, you know, we have this as our inspiration. And I think those are some good, like breakup tips. There's one, you letting yourself feel all the feels. Um, and then also surrounding yourself by people that love you or reaching out for help in like, you know, we all, you didn't even ask for help. We're like, we're going to help you, you know? And then also having other creative projects or things to help motivate you or, um, yeah, to just keep you fulfilled and in life. And um, this episode's great for people that are in a marriage that maybe isn't going or perfectly well or a relationship yeah, not just marriage. you want to improve. This is why we had Nate Klemp on the show. He was incredibly yeah. resourceful, knowledgeable. He's so smart. Didn't he say that he, him and his wife, so it's Nate Klemp, PhD, and his wife who co-wrote this book, The 8080 Marriage, didn't he say that they were almost going to get divorced? They did. He, yes. They were going through he it. He did mention something like that in the beginning. And he is he's full of such wonderful information. So this episode... <laughs> whether whether you're like me right now hurting or you're in a relationship and you want to improve it or you just maybe you're in a great relationship this episode's going to be very insightful for you or if you're going to get in a relationship in the future and you're a single person there's great tips there that I really like and, I, and you'll hear more about it what it is in 8080 marriage because the numbers don't add up um, I really like it and, and we be- definitely ask questions more about relationship than marriage um, so just so you know it's not if you're not married it's not just about marriage it's about relationships in general so stay tuned and April I love you, and I know all of our listeners love you, and I love when we um, share in such a raw way on the podcast um, because that's what shameless sex is all about. Yeah. It's hard for me, by the way. That was hard. I know. I was big. I was like, she's doing it, and she's actually crying on the air. This is big. I don't cry often, everyone, no. but I'm real, oh, real been, vulnerable right been now. I've been this letting week. it out. I've been oh, letting yeah. it out. You old waterworks over here. It's a good medicine. Don't be afraid to cry. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna, I don't want to uh, you know, move away from your feelings. I no, no. Feelings. Let's please. Let's move. <laughs> okay. Let's move away. 
this is a show we need well, to actually get on. We have a sex question, but first we do the sex. Before we do the sex question, I want to say that um, we are now on a platform called Discord, and it is an app. And what Discord is is kind of like I'm not going to use the name because that's another app, but it's a like a chat app, basically a text app, and you can go on there and connect with other shameless sex fans. Um, and I will be on there on the occasion too. So if you want to get on our Discord, you just go into the link in the show notes here, and it will take you to the Discord. So it's free. You just go over there, just click it. We can get on together. I can. I have tons of free time now. And now she can talk. And so, <laughs> so we want. We would love this for our fans to go on the Shameless Sex Discord. You all can start talking to each other, make friends. You can talk about episodes. You can talk about your lives. Whatever. Please be nice to each other. This is not a place to be mean, to shame, um, just being considerate of other humans there. Um, but we really have had requests for how fans could connect with other fans, and this is a great way. Um, this is inspired by Cam from Sex Talk with My Mom of our Pleasure Podcast you, Network. We love you, Cam, um, because he started Discord for, they're called Sneaky Freaks. <laughs> for because his they're fan fans. Base. Yeah, oh, his yeah. fans are Sneaky Freaks. And he said his fans, they're, they're connecting, they're even doing a meetup in person at like a bar or something. So um, that would be cool to see from Shameless Sex. Of course, again, everyone must respect each other. But Again, go in the show notes if you want to be on our Discord. You connect with other Shameless Sex fans or with us. I'm excited about Discord. And we want to give a little shout out to someone that's been in our show before and who did an incredible photo shoot for us mm -hmm. that was Natural Beauty. And he has this incredible, and I'm going to say incredible, not one more time, okay? Because incredible. it's a really good adjective. And it's a great adjective to describe his work because I have the book. I get compliments on the book as a coffee table book when people walk into my house called Natural Beauty. It's Kyer. Uh, Wilshire. Mm -hmm. Wiltshire. Wiltshire. I always say it wrong. Kyer Wiltshire. So he was on our podcast on October 29th, 2021. It's a bonus episode called Sexting Tips Celebrating Nudity and How to Do Erotic Photography. And we did this after we did the photo shoot with him out in nature. And we were you know, half naked doing all kinds of sexy things out there in nature and taking beautiful photos. Not all. They're not all just sexy. Like some of them are us in normal clothes. Um, and his, but like April some said. Some of them look like our senior pics. Yes. Like we could be like, senior pics. <laughs> this is my date right here. Which he did not want to do because he was like I think we need to keep it more sexy I'm like no we need to do PG-13 for the kids <laughs> we did a little bit of everything <laughs> uh, but like April was saying this is a great gift item or if you didn't get what you want for the holidays you can get it for yourself or give it to someone maybe you didn't get them the right thing that they were into so go to Kyer that's K-Y-E-R naturalbeauty.com this is where you can get this book again it is uh, inspirational as well go listen to the episode um, bonus episode from October 29th and you can learn more about it too we love you Kyer and we love all of you listeners alright sex question time I'm ready for a sex I didn't read it this is fresh Ooh, to me surprise again oh they said we can use their name this is from Julia Oh. Julia says, I'm a single woman looking for a long-term committed partnership. In my quest, I have begun a relationship with someone who meets many of my needs, but not all of them, especially in the emotional realm. We have really good sex and are exploring kink in ways that I never have before. I want to continue some sort of relationship with this person, particularly a sexual one, but I'm starting to see that he's not the one. How can I communicate this to him and also make space for finding the true partner for me? I love this question. Yeah. So how can you communicate to this person that you don't see them as a forever person or the one or a, a long-term relationship person for you, um, but you still want to have a sexual relationship with them uh, and you want to create space to be open to find someone new? I'm going to go with shit sandwich right here, April. Well, <laughs> I think that is, a good, that is a good suggestion. What? It, I didn't even explain it yet. But <laughs> no, I, no. Okay. So okay what I, you got? Well, I, my question is, she said she's a single woman looking for a long-term committed partnership and then she's begun a relationship and it sounds like it's it's 
is it ex- it's not exclusive it doesn't sound like it's there yet but it's going in this direction is my guess and that she hasn't had the conversation of hey actually i'm not really feeling this as a relationship uh, so there, that's in there. Like she's starting to feel that in her, but she hasn't conveyed that yet, and she needs to convey that to this person. Just don't lie, okay? Oh god, <laughs> April's like, I can't take any more lies. <laughs> if you lie to someone, April's gonna be really. I'm gonna be really mad. Yeah, you'll make April cry. Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, so I didn't mean to interrupt so you. Shit. I just was trying to get clear on that piece. Yeah, that's why I wanted to double check with you. So you yeah. said shit sandwich. I mean, have you been there, there before when you started to see? Oh yeah, this. They're starting to be. We're starting to spend a lot of time together. They might have strong feels for me. I'm not really there. And now I need to have this conversation with them. But I still kind of want to hang out with them, maybe have some sex. That happened to me before the person that I was with for the past four and a half years. Yeah. The person before that, he started calling me his girlfriend. And I was like, I'm not your girlfriend. And yeah. I had to be really blunt. I had yeah. to be very blunt, but gently blunt. Yeah. It was shit sandwich blunt. So sandwich. I like where you're going with this because yeah. I was like, look, I really like hanging out with you. I am not looking for anyone to be exclusively called my partner right now. I need more time and let's still fuck. But here's the thing. She is looking. So she can't say that. So which because that's a lie right there. A lot of people say that, that as a lie. For me. I oh. know not for you. But okay. for, if, if she were to say that'd be a lie. And a lot of people do that. I'm just not looking for anything serious when they actually are. It's just not you. Like I'm I uh, and that's not helpful because then they see you in a relationship in a month and now they feel bad. Well, that's what happened to yeah. me. Oh, so you lied. <laughs> no, it wasn't a lie though. I actually ended up meeting a person that I wanted to align with so and partner with. you didn't know that you were looking I didn't for know it. I yeah. was looking. I wasn't I wasn't like Julia here yeah. who wants a committed long-term partnership. So, no, I did not lie, Amy. Don't don't get me oh on the gosh, live right get now. Triggered right now. I'm right, get so mad. She did not lie. And so, here's my recommendation <laughs> for sit shit 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 <laughs> shit sandwich. My recommendation is you start with something that is true, authentic and some sort of praise, com- compliment or appreciation that you're enjoying, which there's some really great things. I really love spending time with you. I really like spending time with you. The sex we're having is super hot. I'm really into it. I would love to for that to keep going. And I'm just not feeling a full alignment here in our connection. There's just some other ways. It doesn't seem like we fully align for me. And that's okay. And I'm curious if you're open to still spending time with me in a way that isn't working towards a committed relationship. I understand if not, that's all good. But I need to be honest with you. I mean... That might not still feel good for that person, and we have to be okay with people getting disappointed. We, but if you say it in a way that is true, authentic, loving, uh, you know, that's as real as it could get, and they're still upset, then that's theirs, and that's okay. But that's all you really can do. I know if I heard that, I'd be a little bummed. I'd be like, "Well, that kind of sucks," because I was feeling really aligned here. But okay, yeah. uh, yeah. wonderful. I I Shit love sandwich. this suggestion. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, I can date you anytime. Nice. Just kidding. We're sisters so that would be weird <laughs> that would be weird uh so what i was going to say to this human julia uh, so you said this person meets he you said meets many of your needs but not all of them especially in the emotional realm now after this shit sandwich if there is room for growth and maybe some additional uh, alignment like a closer alignment if you wanting desiring if he still is interested in in continuing on the, the relationship that you have now perhaps you can shed light on this emotional realm that you need more, that you desire more, uh, I guess, a deeper connection connection, with. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that looks like. Sometimes that's just difficult and just won't happen. And sometimes people can learn. And sometimes people can learn. And, And if he's way into you, maybe that is something that can help you 
Yeah, I would say you want to do the that. learning, the that piece, if you feel like everything else is aligned. Then you're like, it's just this one piece, which is a big piece, emotional connection or sharing or depth. Then you could say, maybe we could work on this. But if it feels like there's other pieces too, then maybe you'll be like, mm, that's, a, that's a long list of other things to change. We don't want to go into a relationship already wanting to change someone because that's just a recipe for disaster. Like get in a relationship where like, you know what, this person, who you are today, that's who I want to be in a relationship with. Um, I mean, just to save time because it's a lot of work. Just last piece, just don't lie. <laughs> okay. That's it. No lies. All right, moving on. Moving on. All right, so before <laughs> we talk about our wonderful guests and dive into the interview, we want to give a shout out to OMG. Yes, we love OMG. Yes, oh my God. OMG. Yes.com. Oh, oh, so if you go to OMGS.com slash shameless, you get 10% off of some of our favorite sex ed videos for vulva owners or admirers of vulvas season one is all about external vulva pleasure and season two is all about internal vulva pleasure and they show you all these techniques in tasteful videos on how to please the vulva so if you already have amazing orgasms you want to have better orgasms or maybe orgasms are hard for you or maybe you want to learn how to pleasure a vulva omgs.com slash shameless is amazing you remember how many people they vulva owners 20,000 yes finally nailed it between the ages of 18 to 95 I just want to give you two or three examples so they do things there's layering where indirect pleasure through the surrounding skin or hinting, passing by, and only occasionally indulging. So these are some of the the techniques that they go over the practical pleasure techniques. Mm-hmm. And I love that. They're so amazing. We've worked with them forever and we love them. They they couldn't do it more tastefully and beautifully. Yeah. Go to omgs.com slash shameless. Again, you get 10% off and it just might change your life. Are you ready for a bio? I love hearing all about Nate Clamp, PhD. PhD. <laughs> D's nuts. I'm sorry. I, had I to knew do it. it was coming. I knew it. I was like, oh, oh well, you, your little frat boy wore off on me. Okay, anyways. Oh, it did. Okay. Nate Klemp, PhD, <laughs> is a writer, philosopher, and entrepreneur. Along with his wife, Kaylee, he is the author of the newly released book, The 8080 Marriage, A New Model for a Happier, Stronger Marriage. He is also the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Start Here, Master the Lifelong Habit of Well-Being, as well as a founding partner at Mindful, one of the world's largest mindfulness media and training companies. To learn more, visit 8080marriage.com. But first... Has your sex life fallen into the same old dull routine? It's time to leave the monotony behind with a fun, sexy box from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten will ship you their BYOB gift box with all the erotic essentials you need. You get to choose one item out of each of their six categories. Toys, beauty products, lubes, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie, and more. And within each category, you have eight or more products you can choose from. So you can build a hot date night that's customized to your unique desires. A few items I chose, kissable chocolate body paint, sultry pink lingerie, a sexy necklace that also functions as a flogger, and so much more. What's amazing is the box only costs $69, and some of the vibrators alone retail for more than that. So the entire box of six gifts is a total steal. And here's more great news. Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash shameless or enter code shameless at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash shameless or use code shameless to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Likeakitten.com slash shameless. The link is in the episode's description. All right, it's interview time. Hey, everybody. Guess what? I'm starting this a little differently. Because it's episode time, and we are here with 
Nate Klemp, PhD, I believe, uh, and author of The 80-80 Marriage alongside his partner, I believe, wife, uh, who is not here on the show with us. And this episode, we are going to talk about modern day relationships and some tools and tips and tricks on how to really make them shine and work and have hot sex uh, and how to do it in a bigger, maybe better way than uh, we've done it in the past or currently a lot of people are doing it. And this isn't just for marriage. This is for all relationships. So even if we say marriage, um, a lot of it will just apply to relationships in general, relationships for folks of all genders and um, bits. So without further ado, let's dive on in. And Nate, welcome to our show. We're super happy to have you here. And the tech gods seem to be on our side so far. Woohoo! <laughs> so good to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. So we always start with the same prompt with our listeners, even though we already read your bio to our listeners. Uh, if you could share a little bit about how you got to where you are today in the world of relationships, especially as an author writing about relationships. Yeah, it was quite a circuitous path, actually, because I started as a philosopher. Um, you know, I was an undergrad and I decided philosophy was my thing and I was going to learn how to live a great life. And so I got a PhD and something paradoxical happened at the end of that process, which is that my life was far worse than it was at the beginning. Um, you know, I was spending 14 hours a day in the library. I was uh, on the East Coast at Princeton in this very intense academic environment. And between that and a bike accident that I had at the time, I actually went into this kind of strange and crazy period of about three years where I was anxious and depressed and burned out. And not only did my own sort of mental and emotional well-being suffer, but as is often the case, my relationship really suffered. And so my wife, Kaylee, and I, we were very close to divorce at the time. And in some ways, that was about 15 years ago, everything that's happened since has been almost like an exploration of how to build back resilience, um, you know, mental skills like mindfulness, but also how to be in a relationship more skillfully. So I'm one of the founding partners at Mindful Magazine, write a lot about mindfulness. But then about three or four years ago, my wife and I started really thinking carefully about relationships and thought everybody we know seems to be struggling with some of the unique modern pressures of being in a relationship together. And there are great books on relationships, yes, but they don't seem to be addressing the kind of unique modern pressures of egalitarian gender dynamics, being busy all the time, the always on work environment. And that's really what led me to the place that I'm in and led to this book, The 8080 Marriage. So that's a great segue to this question because obviously 8080 doesn't add up to 100 mm -hmm. and we're all used to the 80-20 rule. And so in your book, you talk about how marriage and relationships used to follow this 80-20 rule, and now it's more 50-50. So can you just dive in and talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So you can think about the old school marriage of the 1950s. We like to call it the 80-20 marriage. That's kind of the ratio that makes the most sense there. And the basic idea is that if you looked at a 1950s marriage, you know, our grandparents, in some cases our parents, you have a situation where one partner, generally the woman, is doing something like 80% when it comes to both contribution around the house, but also carrying the weight of that relationship. And then you get the other partner, traditionally the man, who kind of gets away with 20%. And thankfully, we've evolved beyond that, and we've gotten to this place 
that we call 5050, which is a huge milestone and it's an amazing um, point of progress. And yet this 50-50 dynamic in relationships can be quite problematic. For us, for example, it led us to try to achieve equality and fairness through this effort to make everything in our life perfectly 50-50 fair. And that led to all sorts of scorekeeping and conflict and ultimately just almost destroyed our marriage. So then we ended up interviewing about 100 people for this book. And what we found is that this mindset is almost universal in modern couples, and it doesn't seem to be working well for anybody. It's giving us a lot of conflict and not giving us what we really want, love and connection and awesome sex. So and on that note, I thought that was really interesting reading that in your book, the um, the fairness piece and like that tit for tat, you know, I did the dishes three days this week. What did you do? And, you, and not just dishes, but, you know, childcare or, um, you know, how often do you rub my feet? Various things. And, and so there's this it's this part of staying. It's it's I, there's we're out of balance in being in balance of um, how we show up for each other. And can you just share a little bit more about that, about why this is such a problem in trying to stay in fairness? Although and also it doesn't sound that sexy either to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think the aspiration is good. We want equality in relationships. I think that's great. Fairness in the abstract is also great. The technology we're using to achieve that equality, however, I think is the problem. And one of the early tips I had onto this, um, I was in a conversation with a guy named John Cassiopo, who used to be the head of social neuroscience at the University of Chicago. And about five or six years ago, he told me about this research that for me was totally game-changing, which is that they looked closely at couples in relationships and they found that when it came to their assessments of what is or isn't fair, they were clouded by all sorts of cognitive biases that made it almost impossible to make these judgments. So you know, one of these is what psychologists call availability bias which is just a fancy way of saying that in my relationship, everything that I do, all of my wonderful acts, like taking out the trash and doing the dishes and taking our kid to school, that information is all available to me and I see it in real time. But when it comes to my partner, Kaylee, what she does, some of it I see, some of it I don't. And so I have this tendency to systematically underestimate what my partner does and then there's other research showing that we have this overestimation bias so that when it comes to housework and childcare, we tend to systematically overestimate the amount of time we've spent on these tasks. So, you know, I say I clean up the house for 90 minutes. It was really more like 60 minutes. And, and I think <laughs> those two pieces are so important because what that says is that in relationships, we're trying to make everything fair. We're trying to be equals. And yet to make these assessments, we're basing them on totally flawed data, basically pure delusion. And so, so it's no wonder that this isn't working and that we're fighting all the time because the, you know, the data we're working with is just terrible. Okay. So in terms of, so obviously this, this book, you define an 80-80 relationship and you kind of dove into that a little bit. I want to learn though about the tips and the tools because our listeners love that for how couples can actually cultivate this. What are some steps that they can take? And then let's talk about that in relationships to, in, in relation, in connection to sex as well. Yeah. 
One of the things we observed when we interviewed people about their marriage, which sets all this up, is this idea that your mindset in relationship is contagious. And I'm sure you've experienced this. You know, when you are deep in that 50-50 mindset of resentment and you go to have a conversation with your partner, it's very rare that they're going to be totally open and turned on and like totally in love with you, right? In fact, our brains are wired for the opposite. Your partner is going to mirror that back to you. Your resentment is going to be contagious. They're going to become resentful. So the reason that's important is that what this whole 80-80 thing is about really is the power of shifting your own mindset in a relationship from 50-50 to something more like what we call 80-80, which is basically just imagining that you were contributing to your relationship at 80%. And as you said, the math is like totally illogical. It doesn't make sense. There's no such thing as a 160% whole. <laughs> but still, the irrationality of it is kind of the point. And, and the, the bigger idea is that if you're able to make that shift, that shift in mindset is contagious that generosity has this way of creating a kind of upward spiral. And that's how you can start to shift out of this battle over what is or isn't fair. So in terms of like, practically, how do you do that? I mean, there are a few things you can think about. One is just small acts of contribution can be so powerful, you know? So like, it doesn't have to be huge, but making your partner coffee or doing one of their jobs, even though it's not yours and it's not fair, or, you know, leaving a post-it note on their computer monitor that just says, I love you in the morning, right? It can take 20 seconds, but it's huge. Appreciation is another thing. Revealing what's really going on, you know, as a gift to your marriage is another thing you can do. So there are a lot of like practical micro habits and actions you can take, but the big idea is to sort of leverage the fact that mindset is so contagious to your advantage. Those points that you have in your book, and we'll bring this, wrap this around to sex in a minute, but those points that you have in your book, you said, I remember this is generosity was kind of like this, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is generosity kind of like this umbrella idea of showing up in a bigger way and be more generous? And then under that, there were kind of three key points that involved the appreciation revealing. Can you highlight those pieces there again one more time? Yeah, exactly. So you can think of the mindset as radical generosity. That's almost like the umbrella concept and then when it comes to how do you put that into action, how do you operationalize that, there's what you can think of as what you do in marriage, contribution. What you see in marriage, appreciation, because we tend to see all the ways our partner isn't measuring up or isn't doing things right. And <laughs> we can flip those glasses. That's appreciation. And then revealing is really what you say. And this is a big barrier for a lot of couples because they're not saying what's actually happening. They're not revealing their full experience, both things that are good in their life, their hopes, their dreams. But also when you have those like little minor moments of conflict, those small unsaid truths, they just like build up and accumulate and, you know, all of a sudden snowball into something major. And then it's coming to the sex piece. Yes. How does all this show up in sex? So, I mean, yeah, let's go to sex. I'm sure I can bring in contribution, appreciation, and revealing. Is that like showing your nipple? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so how does this all apply to sex and not just like, you know, doing the dishes and showing, you know, to picking up the kids and the, the logistics of, yeah, of the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how does it apply to the testicles is what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been asked how it applies to the testicles. You don't know. I okay. love that I was just... <laughs> you have more research yeah, ahead of you. You must go to... We have a lot more research to do here. You must give us credit. Okay. <laughs> 
So how does this apply to sex? Well, I think if for people who are in a committed relationship and particularly people who have kids, because we noticed in talking to couples, there's something really crazy that happens the moment you bring a child back, which is that time, free time becomes incredibly scarce. And all of a sudden there's 10x as many things that you have to worry about and do. So when that happens, but even in a committed relationship without kids, you might find that sex shifts from like the early days where it's just amazing and you stay up all night and it's like, you know, spontaneous and impulsive and all of that to what we call in the book, check the box sex, which I think is really like the modern predicament of many couples with kids in particular is that like life gets so crazy. We're so caught up in doing all the time and our schedules and work and, you know, all the things that we're doing that all of a sudden, like, it's not just that we don't have time for sex in the sense of, you know, it doesn't fit in the day, but we also don't have headspace for sex. And I think that's an important distinction because for a lot of couples we talked to, they actually had the time and yet they would find themselves every night sitting on opposite sides of the bed, tablets in hand, one person scrolling Instagram, the other person's doom scrolling the New York Times. And it's like, why aren't we doing this most amazing and pleasurable of all human acts? And why are we instead looking at Instagram? Like that's so much less interesting. And part of that had to do with like, there just wasn't enough headspace. Okay. Th- this, this is such a great thing was I think of married, old married couples and even young married couples. I do think about each one with their lamp on the side of the bed, they're reading their book or their newspaper, and they're not making the space or time for sex, which is really what this is about. And, and if my question is really about this quote, but that you have, that's, uh, that is, the way you do life is the way you do sex, mm-hmm. which I can relate to. I wanted to bring up a stat, though, to see if you also had th- the same statistics when uh, there's uh, I think was it Esther Perel, some of her research. I, I don't remember exactly, which is a bummer, but um, this just came to me. It said like a healthy sex life is considered for a hetero couple uh, that's in a long term relationship to have sex 12 times a year or something. And that's considered. Oh, you have to have more. So uh, sexless marriage is under thank you. under 12. And, uh, it's yes. under. 10 or 12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that to me seems so that's one time a month. That seems so low. So just tying this all into the way you do life is the way you do sex. And then it, 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 does your research also show anything about this, the sexless marriage under X amount of times per year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way you do life is the way you do sex. Whenever we put that on Instagram, people lose their minds. They're just like, no, or they're they agree with it, but it's it's interesting. That's a very controversial statement. And it came from an interview we did with a sex therapist who had that insight. And we started really thinking about that. And we thought, gosh, that's so interesting because it's a different perspective from what we're often given, which is this idea that if you're having problems with sex, it's a sex problem. You know, like when I read Cosmo, I actually went deep into Cosmo when we were researching this book. And, you know, they have like four tips on underwater sex, you know, how to like have sex in your pool and whatever. And and like the basic narrative there is that if you're having problems, it's probably some sort of tactical sex problem. And if you just get like a cherry flavored orgasm balm and like a rabbit shaped dildo, then everything's going to be amazing. Right. That's the that's the narrative. 
And this idea that the way you do life is the way you do sex is actually a, a different narrative, which in the end seems more compatible with the reality of our lives, which is that everything in life is actually connected. It's all totally connected and intertwined. And the basic idea there then is that if you look at the way you're running your life together, you know, like the busyness of your life, the fact that you never have time or whatever it is, whatever the predicaments are that show up in your everyday life, it's likely that they show up in some ways in the bedroom, that sex is almost like a mirror for that. I totally agree with that. And one thing I'll bring this to is um, meditation. And when I am really good with my daily meditation practice or and or when my partner and I are meditating together, we have better sex. But when I'm out of my meditation practice um, and then and also maybe we're not meditating together, it, I, I, I think it affects and shifts sex. And it might just be a little bit. But um, so my med- daily meditation practice, if I wake up and I'm on 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 track, I meditate. It helps to pra- my brain to practice a single point of focus of just being being, of feeling the sensations and being present. Uh, and that translates and shows up in every day and everywhere in my life. But if I wake up, I just get on my phone, I start scrolling, I go back to my busy life, it shifts things. And I can tell when I turn my lifestyle into more of a kind of more intentional one. And it's not that I never go on Instagram and we're not hating on Instagram here, but it's not that I never do the things that are about zoning out and numbing out. But I think this is just balance. And what I'm hearing you say is having awareness about it and not putting sex just in this little box in the corner and acknowledging that it's all related and that how you're living your life shows up in your sex life. And in fact, also is a representation of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That, um, the patterns that show up when you're in the line at Costco or you're arguing about who did the dishes, <laughs> those are all connected to what's happening in the bedroom. And I really love the point about mindfulness. So, you know, in addition to writing about marriage, I actually spend most of my time writing about mindfulness. And I think what you say is, is so right on, which is that I believe we're living in a time of unprecedented distraction and stimulation. You know, we can pull out our phone during all of those throwaway moments in the day when 10 or 20 years ago, we would just maybe sit in the doctor's office and just think about our life. (laughs) Instead, we're checking our email and doing all these things. And as a result, that experience of slowing down and being is extremely foreign to most of us. And so the role that mindfulness and meditation can play, as you say, I think, is to almost train yourself to become comfortable in that uncomfortable state of, of simply being. And if you think about amazing sex, it has a lot of that quality where it's, there's not a rush. It's not like, Hey, let's do this in five minutes. I mean, that can be fun too, but like it has that more slowed down present quality where you're able to get beyond the mind wandering and Instagram and actually focus on what's happening. Okay. Time for a quick break. This podcast was made possible by Uberloop. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant that enhances sex and intimacy. We receive emails from listeners who have tried Uberloop, and the feedback is unanimous. We never knew lube could be this good. It's also less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes, and there are thousands of doctors recommending Uberloop to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks experiencing dryness. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on my body. And it isn't just for sex. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth before an oral sex session. Totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, 
and the bottle, it's beautiful. It looks like a cosmetic product. So I just leave it out on my nightstand totally shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off, plus free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is free to you because of another one of our amazing sponsors like Satisfier. Gift giving is one of the best parts of the holiday season, and we're here to take the stress out of your holiday shopping by giving the gift that will have you and your partner satisfied all year long. That's right. Whether you're in close proximity to your lover or in a long-distance relationship, Satisfier makes pleasure devices that will help you stay connected through the holidays and New Year. Satisfier makes beautiful vibrators and air pulse stimulators with cutting-edge technology that will have everyone feeling tidings of comfort and joy, plus they're at affordable prices. This New Year, make pleasure one of your top priorities. After all, orgasms help you live longer. Check out my favorite Satisfier, the Double Wander. Its powerful vibrations and interchangeable head gives me everything I need to get off right. Plus, I can create my own vibration programs or create vibration patterns based on surrounding sounds all through the free app. And right now, Satisfier is offering our lucky listeners 30% off any Satisfier when you go to Satisfier.com and enter code SHAMELESS30 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of our favorite new devices, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R.com and use code SHAMELESS30 for 30% off. Tis the season to get satisfied. All right, back to the interview. Well, and I think that when people are not wanting to have sex with their partner anymore, and that happens you know, often for many reasons, uh, but sometimes it can be related to, it's just not that exciting anymore. I don't get as turned on as I used to, and it's a little more linear and like touch here. It's a little more, maybe not heady, but like robotic, or maybe it is heady. And there isn't that uh, flow state of mindfulness and curiosity of this moment is different from the, the last moment and the next moment. And how can we bring curiosity into each moment? And then people, so they're like, oh, I, I know you like the back of my hand. It's not that exciting. I don't really want to have sex anymore. And that's not the only reason why. But um, I think that by bringing in more of what you're talking about of this, because mindfulness is presence and in presence, every second is different, which means that if I'm with April and she's my partner, she is different in every second of experiencing her. But my brain can in turn trick me to think otherwise. Oh, I know her well. I've known her since I was 21. Oh my God, this old broad. <laughs> Just kidding, Chip. I love you so much. Um, but I, so I think that there's something really valuable in there and it's subtle, but how it could show up. Well, and I wanted to tie it back to you, Nate, really quickly about the sexless marriage piece. Is there, because some people get stuck in these patterns where they're like, okay, well, at least if I have sex 15 times a year, then I am not in a sexless marriage. Mm -hmm. And again, putting themselves in this box, I have friends that are like that. They're like, I have an average sex life with my partner. We've been together 20 years and I have sex maybe once a month, maybe once every other month. So is there a consideration? Is it each couple to their own to decide what a healthy sex life is? in their marriage or in their relationship or are are there is there research or are there data that you can provide coming back to the sexist marriage again sorry i can't <laughs> <Yeah>. help myself <laughs> and i i skipped that point so now we're going to get back to it i do believe that that's a real thing and there are data i know gene twinge has been studying this very closely and there's a whole literature around what's called the sexual recession that if you look at the data around how often people are having sex. Basically at every age demographic you can think of, the numbers have fallen substantially over the last 20 years. So whether you're 80 or 50 or 40 or 20 or even a teenager, 
you're having less sex on average now than your peers or counterparts would have 20 years ago. So I think that's something that's interesting. And I do wonder about to what degree does that have to do with the fact that we get the smartphone 13 years ago and social media and all of these mm -hmm. things? Are we sort of distracting ourselves away? There may be other factors as well. I mean, I've, I've heard some researchers speculate that women are more empowered to say no. And so this is actually a good thing. Um, so there are a lot of theories about like, what are the causal factors behind this? But I think you're absolutely right that there are a lot of marriages where they're not having much sex. There's some other interesting research from Daniel Carlson at the University of Utah, who we interviewed for the book, that says the one exception to this sexual recession is when you look at egalitarian couples. So couples where they're communicating a lot and they're really intentional about trying to sort of support each other and not so much make things fair, but like create a balanced structure in their relationship. And they seem to be having more sex than couples in more traditional dynamics where, you know, in heterosexual marriage, you've got the woman doing more, the man doing less. So it does seem like finding balance is actually an advantage. But but this phenomenon you're talking about is seems very real, according to the research. Yeah, I love research. We're such nerds over here. We're At like, least yeah. it's not a sexual depression. At least it's just a recession, right? We're bouncing <laughs> back slowly. Yes. Yeah. We can get <laughs> well, out of and it. And we don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Yes, we can do it. Well, and those are we two just need to stimulate is is the sexual economy, right? Yeah, yes. stimulate, stimulate sexual. that sexual. We got to penetrate and stimulate. Hey, sexual economy! <laughs> if you want to get stimulated, guess where you should go? PurePleasureShop.com, <laughs> owned by me and my mother. You can buy dildos and get stimulated, and you get fifteen percent off a coupon code. Shameless sex. Okay, anyways, um, so <laughs> back to the podcast. Um, I have. <laughs> sorry, I went on a tangent there. Um, anyways, so I have a question about some structural tools that couples can use to inspire more intimacy. Do you have any? Anything that you can share about that, like specific ideas that they can apply to inspire more hotness or eroticism or connection? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things we ran into a lot in interviewing couples and we've experienced in our own relationship is this idea. There's a te fancy sounding technical name for this sexual desire discrepancy, SDD which is basically like one person wants it more, one person wants it less. But that turns out to be a big deal, especially once you get a more complicated relationship with logistics and maybe kids. And so that is a really interesting dynamic. And what we found is it can create this power struggle between two parties. One is the initiator, the high drive person, and the other is the gatekeeper, the low drive person. And you start to get into all these really complicated dynamics where one person wants it more and they might feel rejected when the other person says no, or they might stop asking. And, you know, people often don't talk about this because it's super taboo and it's uncomfortable. And one statistic I read is that something like 80% of couples experience this on an almost monthly basis. So this is not like some weird fringe thing. <laughs> Everybody's experiencing this. And one of the things we talk about in the book is if you think about this from that perspective of fairness, you're going to be in even deeper conflict. You know, if the idea is like, hey, we need to make this fair. I took out the garbage. You need to have sex with me, right? Like that's a losing strategy every time. And so this is one place where that idea of radical generosity 
I think can become very powerful. We call it orgasmic altruism, just to give it a fancy title in the book. And basically the idea is, you know, we talked to one couple, for example, where they did have a pretty big drive discrepancy and, and they both tried to move toward the other. So the higher drive partner was like, okay, you know, maybe I don't have to come on so strong all the time. Maybe I can just like chill out here. The lower drive partner would think to themselves like, maybe I'm open to being turned on tonight, you know, even if it's not exactly what I want to do. So it's that idea of, can you kind of stretch toward the other person from a place of radical generosity, not like, hey, let's make this fair. Can you talk this orgasmic altruism because you touched on it a tiny bit, but we had a question about that because I'm curious. Can you just tell us more about what exactly is this orgasmic altruism? Well, yeah, it's basically what I was describing that there is just this power struggle that can happen. Mm. And when we looked at power, which was one of the key things we wanted to explore in looking at modern relationships, we found that it tends to show up in three places. It shows up around money, big time. You can imagine one partner makes more, one partner makes less. All sorts of weird power dynamics happen. Like, you know, one woman we talked to was like, I decide where we go on vacation because I make more money. So we're going to Costa Rica, right? Stuff like that shows up all the time. You then have power around logistics, which is kind of interesting around like, you know, who does certain things or who manages certain things, who controls certain domains of life. But sex was one of the big places where this struggle for power starts to show up. And so orgasmic altruism is on the one hand, a mindset that says, hey, maybe we can start to rebalance this by just moving toward each other. But the other big lesson we learned in in thinking about power is that often the best way to neutralize these power imbalances is through some sort of structure. So for example, this sounds really subtle, but like if you're the partner who's lower drive, you can say no, just be like, no. And then the other partner feels the sting of rejection. Or you could say something like, I'm not feeling it tonight, but tomorrow night it's on. And so that's actually a structural move that's happening there where you're kind of, you're saying no tonight, but you're saying, hey, let's put this on our sexual calendar for the next night. And it's subtle, but that for the higher drive partner, that lands so differently. And and so that's just another example of what it would look like to put this orgasmic altruism idea into practice. What happens if you keep getting a continuation, though? Like because, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes, because that is a thing where it's, I'm exhausted today. I had a stressful day at work or the kid wasn't sleeping or the kids. So what happens if you, you can if you are the 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 wanter, the person that's desiring more and the initiator, the, right? Is it you said initiator gate, and yes, gatekeeper? Yeah, the gatekeeper is keeping you away. You don't have to shut in the gate. <laughs> Slamming. That is real. Slamming. That is totally real. Where the gatekeeper says no tomorrow night, no tomorrow night. And it's this infinite recursive loop that never stops. And I think if that starts to happen, obviously that's a place where there's some revealing that needs to happen because I would imagine there's a lot of frustration on the part of the initiator. And at a certain point, they're just going to give up. And so actually having a conversation about that and then maybe looking one level deeper at what are our priorities and boundaries in our life? that are allowing us to live in this perpetual condition where we never have enough either actual time or headspace to do this. You know, like 
I think a lot of couples, they are running so thin and they're saying yes to so much and prioritizing literally everything in life over their time together as a couple. You know, like I'm going to prioritize my neighbor who wants help moving crap out of his garage. I'm going to prioritize <laughs> the my coworker who just emailed me at 8 p.m. All of that is often getting prioritized over sex. So, so there's like a bigger priorities boundaries thing here that would likely have to ha- happen to actually create time. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that well, I don't love that that's happening, but that that we there's an opportunity there. I guess is what I'm hearing of how we can um, work together and reevaluate what our priorities are and and make the relationship important and a priority, especially if there's other factors relying on you. Uh, I know a lot of folks who are parents and they prioritize their kids over their partnership. And while I think that that's probably important a lot of the time, if your partnership there's a lot of resentment or disconnect, it, your kids can see that. It can show up in the way. That that you energetically are showing up in the world. Um, and so again, it's, it's, it's balance of what's your priorities and, and where you show up and give energy and not putting the relationship on the back burner. And one other thing we, t- April and I talk about often on our podcasts when it comes to sex is, um, yeah, curiosity, prioritizing something, some form of sex. When I say some form, it's, that a lot of times people just think sex needs to happen one way, which is another reason why long-term relationships can get real boring when it comes to sex. Um, And to think outside of the box, not talking about genitals here, your mindset, um, and almost invite or reprogram uh, your brain to think about sex in a different way. So uh, April's example of, you know, so what if tomorrow you said not today again, you know, how about tomorrow? How about tomorrow? The continuation. And then you're like, Let's okay. Let's check in because I feel like there's something maybe a little deeper going on here, and you discover that it's actually just sex isn't that exciting anymore. Maybe redefining what sex is. So let's move it to tomorrow. But when we say tomorrow, it doesn't mean we're definitely having penetrative sex. Let's check in tomorrow about we're definitely having some sort of intimate time, and then let's see what's available and on the table. Yeah, today I do want intimate time. I'm not really feeling connected for penetration. Uh, my genitals are, are maybe let's like start to explore some softcore hand stuff and then I'll see what else happens. Um, this takes a lot of uh, skill in being a good communicator, um, a good receiver, a good giver. And so there's, it's not necess- it's easier said than done. Um, but I think that can maybe take some of the pressure off the pressure valve there. I don't know. What do you think about that? Can I call you doc? I love doc. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's doc. so amazing. And I, What I hear you saying, which I totally agree with, is what if we thought about sex almost like creative art that we're doing together? And it would be so weird to say, hey, tomorrow after working for 12 hours, we're going to have a 15 minute block where we're going to come up with something beautiful and amazing and awe inspiring. Like we all know that that's impossible, that it needs to have space and it also needs to happen in these kind of organic ways. And, and we need to try things that are different and new and novelty. And so what I hear you saying, which I just really resonate with is in order to do that, we, we need to place not only, you know, blocks in our calendar for that, but we need to place attention on that because all the things you mentioned that requires one person in the couple, at least to think about, like, what are some different ways we can go about this? I mean, it requires some intentional thought and some planning and and some mindfulness, really. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in some ways it starts to go back to priorities. Can you prioritize sex enough so that you're giving yourself that time and you're devoting that mind share to 
this amazing thing that's just wonderful and everybody loves it, but you know, somehow it falls off the table a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you really want Nate to get mind fucked, if you, anybody out there wants to a, a quick 10 minute read, I just learned about it from Tim Ferriss's podcast, but it's like a, on a blog. Um, it's called, uh, the tail end by Tim urban. And it basically talks about your life in if a 90, an average human lifespan of 90 years and how many things, well, how many days or months you have with a thing. So if you have sex X amount of times with your partner, you might only have 300 times left. If you live, if you both live to be 90, you could have 80 times left. So So if you really want to expand the time you have with your children, with your partner, with your family, you can actually calculate and be like, I want to increase that amount of time. I want to increase the amount of spaciousness I have with my friend. It's such an easy read, but I think anybody can benefit from it. I did. And it's a quick read. But uh, speaking of reading, (laughs) um, how about your book? Can you tell our listeners and and tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the 80-80 marriage? Because it's not only for married, married folks out there. It's for anyone in a relationship. And also, if people want to work with you and see your other offerings, can you let folks know where we can find you? Yeah, so the book is The 8080 Marriage. And we thought about this book as a book about understanding the modern condition of marriage and some of the mindset shifts that I talked about. But really, also, we wanted to offer something that was practical, that couples could go through together, that has exercises and practices that you can do together to experience a shift in your own life. So we have all sorts of practices around like roles and priorities and boundaries and power and sex, things like that, that all couples are running into. So really, you know, we wanted it to be interesting, but we also more than that wanted it to be very practical. Um, And you can find the book pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, Our website is 8080marriage.com. We're also on Instagram, as I said, where people yell at us about saying that, the way you do life, the way you do sex, <laughs> 80, 80 marriage at Instagram. They're mad about that. They're upset about that. They don't. Like yeah. To- people get really upset. People get upset about anything we say on Instagram. Probably you oh, yeah. as that's well. <laughs> I'm sure you, you're with me there, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. And, and that's where we hang out. And do you work with people? Is it just, are you just writing books and things? Or do you work with people in any other capacity? Like is the best way to uh, find out all of your wonderful knowledge through your books? Yeah, we do occasionally work with people. We're not doing that full time, but that is something we do occasionally for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Find you on your website if they want to try to be one of those lucky hey, people. <laughs> exactly. There's, a, I think, Couples. a link that says uh, I work get with lucky. us. <laughs> get lucky. Well, that makes sense. That's, That's why you have a PhD. <laughs> Thanks, um, Doc. <laughs> making it easy. Well, we appreciate you spending time with us today and letting us know more about all the work that you're doing. I love when doctors write books that are practical, that apply tools that for, through research. And it sounds like through exper- experiential work with your own partnership. And and uh, it looks like you have a successful marriage now because you're still in it after the 15-year mark when, when things were too intense. So uh, I I recommend for anybody out there that perhaps even if you're not married or you are married or you're in sometimes relationships can can need some work in the sex department or in all of the departments uh, after a year in. And it doesn't mean that you're bad or you're doing something wrong. It means that there are people out there just like Dr. Nate Klemp and uh, his partner that are offering you tools to help you improve your sex and relationships. So thank you, Nate, for being here with us. And uh, I can't end the show without, even though neither Amy or I 
I are drinking today. However, we do love ourselves some wine, and tis the season, depending on if it's November, December, January, or just July. It's always Who knows? Season. Whatever the season <laughs> is, it might be the season to drink some wine. So check out MarginsWine.com and learn why Amy and I are such huge fans of Megan's Megan Bell's wine. <laughs> Megan's Bell's. Megan's Bell's. <laughs> Megan's Bell's a jingle all the way. Um, so go and sign up for the newsletter. You can save some moolah if you use code SHAMELESSSEX10 on three or more bottles or SHAMELESSSEX15 to save 15% on six or more bottles. So that is all we have for you today. But tune in every Tuesday for another episode of Shameless Sex. We'll see you then. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com.